Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today I'm honored to have Liz Hartman with me. Liz is a do-it-yourselfer. So uh, when you go check out her social media pages, you're going to see all different sorts of projects and then your mind can start racing about how to do projects yourself. But I think a theme that's going to come through in our conversation today is when you follow a passion, you're willing to try it and you're willing to learn, really cool things can happen. So Liz, thanks so much for being on today. Hi, Phil. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So growing up, uh, you, you had a passion for seeing things and then seeing what's possible for them. So talk a little bit about where that creativity gene comes in for you. Yeah. So I've kind of always been that way. I've kind of always been in a way that when I saw something, I liked it, but I knew that I could make it the way that I wanted it. Yeah. So I have very early memory of like grabbing a sweatshirt at a store and with the full intention of cutting off the sleeves and, and making it what I wanted it to be. I, my husband jokes, now he's used to it, but I'll buy a piece of furniture with the full intention of painting it. And the second that we get home, it's getting painted and it would drive him nuts. Cause he's like, why, why are you painting this beautiful? And I'm like, cause that's not what I want. So he would always say, why don't you just buy what you want? And I, my answer was, they don't make what I want. They, I know what I want and I want to, you know, and so I don't know, I've just always kind of been that way. Um, and now it's just developed into this career, which is wild. So. Yeah. So with that, were you ever into like art in those types of classes or was it eh, the school side of, you know, artistic outlets? It wasn't so much, but the real life application was more for me. Yeah. I've always loved, I definitely like scientific versus creative mind. I'm definitely a creative mind. Um, I've always loved art. I'm not great at art, but I, I enjoyed it. I'm a very crafty person. So there was a lot of like, I don't know, making little signs and things like that. Um, but yeah, I've always kind of been artistic and creative in that way. Um, I loved writing in school. That was because I could just get creative with that. So definitely, definitely that type of mind inside this brain or inside this head of mine. Yeah. Now with having the creative outlet of whether it's creating something or writing, you know, talk about what that allowed you to have from an emotional standpoint, just in your personal life. So it, it well, what it's brought me is really learning what I'm supposed to be like, this mm -hmm. is Miss Liz did it um, kind of started as a way for me to find myself. Um, I had just had babies. I um, didn't really, I was a psych degree in college and I still find that stuff very interesting, but I didn't really have the desire to go forward with that. And so I did a lot of odd job type things after college. Like I worked in a daycare center. I ran an in-home daycare for a while. I worked for a medical sales company. So I did a lot of different things and always kind of felt like, this isn't enough. Like it's just, yeah. I just needed more. And so after I had kids, I was running an in-home daycare and I loved it and I love kids and I've always worked with kids. Um, but I, I just needed something to identify myself with other than taking care of babies, which is fine and admirable and wonderful. And some people find so much fulfillment through that. But I just knew that there was, I, I wanted to just push myself a little bit more. I already knew I knew how to take care of babies. I'd been a nanny for years. I'd raised all these little <laughs> babies. And so I just wanted to push myself. And um, so I started 
documenting my projects um, because that was just something I was already doing. And then I eventually learned, you know, about the social media aspect of it. And so to answer your question, emotionally, it's, it's, it, it makes me really emotional because it's definitely changed me, like completely changed my life. My husband and I say that we can pinpoint the weekend where I decided, okay, I'm going all in on this. And we were like, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to chase this. And from that moment on, I was a different person. And, and I am a different person than I was. People who knew me five years ago, I don't think that they know, you know, it's a different, I'm just, I literally have changed because of it. So I'm very grateful that I had the the drive. I, I don't really know where that came from. Cause honestly, I, the rest of my life, I've kind of just been like a, middle of the line, like C's get degrees, like good enough type of gal. Um, but then with this, I think, I think it was probably once I saw the potential and once I saw that it, it could be what I want it to be. And once I saw that I was actually good at it, then it was like, okay, now I can't, I can't stop. I need to, and maybe it was my kids a little bit too, you know, showing them I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it the absolute best I can. Now there's a ton to unpack from that, but to, to rewind and just start with a little bit, you talked about working different jobs that, you know, I, I just wasn't passionate about it. Right. I, I enjoyed it. There were aspects of it. I think that's a lot of people, right. They find something and then they say, well, I enjoy it enough. So I will continue doing that mm-hmm. opposed to making the tough decision, which is pivoting into the unknown, right? And Absolutely. who knows what's going to happen? What would be encouragement you would have in, you know, having lived through it now, going back to somebody who's maybe where you were 10 years ago and saying, think about trying this, think about taking right. a pivot. So I would say, we always say, if, if it's scary, if you're in life and you have a decision to make and it's scary, that's the thing you should probably do. Mm-hmm. Because if you're that scared of it, then it's then it's worth it you're not if if something isn't worth it it's going to be easy and you're not going to be afraid of it so um we always say if it if it's scary that's what you should do certainly chase like just just go for it you're gonna do it I people have said I want to start an Instagram account or I want to start DIYing and I just don't know if it'll work but if you want it it will like 100, I firmly believe that if you truly, truly believe in something and you want it that bad, it's going to work out. Like that's just the end of it. It just will, because you're going to, a door will open and you'll see the opportunity and things will just line up. I, I really believe that putting it out there and saying, this is what I'm going to do will guide your path. And certainly there's going to be roadblocks and certainly there's going to be challenges, but I think persistence and just trying, um, that's kind of my whole, has become my whole mantra with my Miss Liz Did It account is, yes, you can, because so many people are are paralyzed because they are afraid to try. And I was, I was terrified um, to, to not succeed. And I fail all the time. I make mistakes all the time, but yes, you can do it. I guarantee it. And there's still a ton of stuff that I don't know how to do and that I don't do well, but I'm going to learn it and I'm going to enjoy it. And it's going to be hard and I'm going to be mad in the moment. And I'm going to say, why did I do this? I can't, what am I doing with my life? But then at the end of it, that feeling of accomplishment, that's a pretty powerful thing, I think. Yeah. 
Tony Robbins says it this way. Uh, he was talking to someone and they said, you know, I've come up with 32 different ways to attempt this and none of them worked. And he goes, well, then you need to find the 33rd one, right? Because somebody has figured it out. So there, there's, there's always another option. You just haven't thought of the option yet. Yes. There's, we actually, when we moved into this house, had a couple contractors helping us with some stuff. And one of them said, um, there's always a solution because we would find pipes in the wall. Oh, we can't do that. There's always a solution. It's just getting there. It's just finding it. So, yes. Now you mentioned a husband, so let's rewind a little bit in the story and talk a little bit about the two of you meeting and uh, how that came to be. So my husband, Kenny, and I met in college at Marquette University in Milwaukee. Um, And it's, it's funny, when you and I were talking previously, him going to Marquette is definitely one of those moments that we talk <laughs> about all the time because he almost didn't. He almost didn't go there. Um, I had relatives. I was kind of always planning. It was just kind of, I figured I would always go there. I grew up near there. I had relatives that went there, but he almost went and joined the Air Force. And we always talk about what if that hadn't happened? And (laughs) oh my gosh, our lives would be so different. And so um, there's also like with our kids, there's also been things that if it didn't have, if hard things didn't happen, it wouldn't have worked out the way it was, but I'm sorry. I'm I'm going off topic. You're good. Kenny and I met in college. Kenny and I (laughs) met in college. Um, we were really good friends all through college. We didn't start dating until the very, very end. Um, and then, so we were kind of like best friends and then we're kind of on the fast track because we already knew each other so well. Um, and so we got married like, uh, two years after engaged a year after we graduated and, or after we started dating essentially. And, um, and then we got married and yeah, then we moved, we moved to Washington, DC. We lived there for a little bit. Um, Kenny was, is a patent attorney, um, and he worked at the patent office, um, in DC. So we were out there for a bit and then we came home where he's from the Chicago area. So now we're back in the Midwest. Yeah. Now, as you're progressing through some of your changes of jobs and obviously Kenny had his change of jobs, uh, I think something that can get overlooked oftentimes is the person behind the person, right? Alongside the person that helps make things possible. And if not both parties are equally dedicated to the vision of one or the other, it's really hard for something like what you're growing and doing to succeed. So talk about, you know, for you guys in your marriage, the support from one another on, hey, I support you in your career and you're supporting me in mine and kind of the give and take and sacrifice that comes with that. Yeah, that's interesting because actually just recently, um, Kenny quit working as a patent attorney, kind of gave it all up and is all in on my stuff, which is just wild. That was, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's t- that now terrifying. That's terrifying, but <laughs> no pressure, but no pressure. He's, he's helping me with build my business. And he also is starting his own and kind of, he's representing content creators on the manager side. So, um, yeah, so I, I, have encouraged him to do that, but he pushed me to not quit because I'm also, because I am such like a, I want to do everything I do. I want to do it the best. I want to be the best at it, which is obviously not possible, but so much so that I don't even want to start something if I know I'm not going to be fantastic at it. So in this, it, it's, I wasn't always the best. I'm still not even close to the best. I, I wasn't always so great at it. And 
I am still learning. And he was, I, there's so many times that I was like, you know, forget it. I just, I don't want to do it anymore. I can't, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to be able to do it. And he, he is definitely the one that pushed me in the way that I need to be pushed to, because he would say things like, then quit. Mm. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what? No, hold on a second. <laughs> wait. And he's like, seriously, if you're not happy, quit, what are you doing? And I was like, okay. And that kind of brings me back to why am I doing this? Why did I start? And that was for me, you know, and that was to find myself. And so you got to check yourself every once in a while, but yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of him. He's taking the leap now. We kind of took turns. And so it's, it is definitely, you have to, you have to be each other's cheerleader. Otherwise it's easy to get down on yourself, especially when you're, you know, building your own business. Yeah, well, and I want to tie that back into a comment you had made earlier. And that is, you know, I kind of say it this way, the difference between something being a goal and the difference between a commitment, right? A goal is something I hope it happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's out there, you know, I'm working towards it. But when I'm committed to it, even when things get hard, like I'm in it, I'm in the thick yeah. of it, and I'm going to figure out a way out of, you know, the, the muck that I'm in. So within that, hey, I'm getting frustrated with something and he's kind of behind you saying, well, just quit then. But talk about being committed to what you started opposed to just having a goal. And eh, if it happens, it happens. But no, I'm really committed to what I've set out to accomplish. Yeah. So I mentioned that we can pinpoint the weekend that I decided, yeah. um, okay, well, I'm doing this. So I was actually reading like a self-help, like self-encouragement, love yourself kind of book. And um, in it, the author said to pick one thing. Like if you're passionate about all these things and I want to do this and I, and I, and I want to do this, pick one, pick one and go all in on it. And we were out to dinner and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm picking it. And I'm not going to go and work for a medical sales company next week. And I'm not going to, you know, Oh, maybe this will be good. I'm going to go all in on this. Um, I was very lucky that I, we were in a position that I could do that. And that um, if I, if I failed, it would be okay. But again, I knew that I wasn't going to um, because I, I was just so determined to do it. I still am. It's not even close to what I want it to be, but um, yeah, just, just picking one and really committing to it is, is vital. Now we have no choice. I mean, now we can't, <laughs> we really, really can't, can't change our minds now, but, um, but I mean, you get one life. And so it's kind of like, do what you love. So that's our, that's our kind of mindset. Yeah. Now you talked about almost a shift in you when you started doing this versus any other type of a job. And what this is, is these do it yourself projects, like any, pretty much anything that can be done in a house or with furniture, Liz has done. Mm -hmm. And so what about it, you know, was this different feeling of fulfillment versus maybe what you had felt in previous uh, jobs or vocations you had been doing? Yeah, so I think building in particular, um, looking at something and saying, I made that mm -hmm. is and that feeling of accomplishment and that feeling of I, I did not think that I could do it. I, I tend to be, I like to call myself a realist. Kenny likes to call me a pessimist, but <laughs> I tend to have a kind of like, I like to set myself up for, I'd rather, I'd rather not be disappointed. And so yeah. I, I tend to look at things like that. So 
which isn't always the best thing, but um, I, I will go into a project being like, there's, there's no way I'm going to do this. There's absolutely, this is, and there's every single project. I have a moment where I'm like, this was definitely a mistake. But then when you come out on the other side, it's so amazing to feel, yeah. okay, I, I conquered that, that feeling of I did that. And I didn't think I could is just, it's powerful. It's very, very powerful. So how did those two uh, differing opinions come to come to meet for you? The one, hey, choose the scary route. Yeah. But I also always want to accomplish the thing I set out on. I mean, is there some internal battle that happens in the mind on decisions or what's going on there? Uh, every day. But <laughs> I've also um, I've also always been a really impulsive person. And so I and I think in a good way. So I, I've never had trouble people will hem and haw over a paint color for a week. I, I'm just not like that. I always know that's what I want. Um, I always have an idea of what I want. So, but with this starting this journey, it was different because I, I had never really, I'd never really been successful in my career mm -hmm. yet, I guess. And so that, that was something that I didn't know that I could do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's certainly doubt there's the comparison game is, is an evil thing. And, um, but you just got to keep reminding yourself, at least I do constantly have to remind myself to remember my, why remember my reason, why did I do this? Um, cause if you don't, then once you go down that hole, you're not, you're not getting out. So you just, I just, I have to be very mindful of that. And I have to really check myself and not let myself do that. Every once in a while, it's all right to have a day and be down, but you got to just check yourself. Otherwise, who's going to, you know? Well, and when I hear you say impulsive, you know, making a quick decision, I think if you're very aligned with where you're trying to go, mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing, right? right. You, you know where you're trying to go. I know you used a very specific example of picking a paint color, but, you know, let's just talk about any other thing, right? If I have a clear cut path of I know I'm trying to go to this spot, I think making that quick decisions a good thing because otherwise you might waste a bunch of time wondering and to your point going back and forth of well what's the right choice whereas if I'm clear cut and I know where I'm going it's easier to make that that quick decision yeah absolutely I mean I think there's a reason why there's why the phrase go with your gut exists and I think that you following your there's something to be said for following your intuition for sure so I don't know if this is the weekend you talk about, but in February of 2019, a blog and an Instagram account are created. So talk about the, the beginning of this. <laughs> yes, that is the weekend. Um, actually, it was probably a couple of days before that, but that weekend I sat down and just started writing and figured out how to find, build a website. And um, I just did it. And I started as, I wasn't always Miss Liz did it on my Instagram. Um, I started as like a home, just a home decor account. And I found a workshop in downtown Chicago that I went to about blogging. And through that, I met a couple of like lifestyle influencers and I was talking to them and they actually, you know, were the ones that said, you can totally do this for home decor. And I was like, what? I didn't even know. I kind of thought like, um, if you were an influencer, you were either a celebrity or 
uh, like a lifestyle person, some of the like fashion people that I have, that I, I personally followed. And so I had no idea. And then I discovered this, this wonderful community of, of DIYers that are documenting their journey. So yeah, I just, I just did it. And it wasn't, it was, it wasn't quick. I mean, it was, it was, well, in the grand scheme, I guess it was, but like at first it was slow, you know, I, it took me a really long time and it was hours and hours and hours a day dedicating to, I'm going to do these things every single day in order to try and do this. And I'm going to invest in my decision to do this. And I'm going to take courses and I'm going to learn how to do it. And so I, once I committed, and then once you, once you put money in on it, then, then it's a little harder to, you know, to go back on it. So once I started taking these courses and going to these workshops, then, you know, and, and, and slowly growing and seeing, you know, that what, what I was doing was working and that I, I had talent to do it. I mean, that's a hard thing to say about yourself without sounding arrogant, but I, I, I'll say it for you. You got a lot of talent to do it. To be able to know, okay, I really think I might be able to do this. So that's when I just, I just kept going and here we are. (laughs) Well, with that, so many times people look at seminars, trainings, coaching as an expense, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that cost me money though. And I'm trying to make money. So this is not what I want to spend money on. Inevitably though, without spending that money, it's either going to take you a lot longer or you just may never figure out some of the things you need to know to have the success you'd like. So talk about that in your life and just being able to make an investment in yourself and in your business and the gains and the, you know, payoff that comes from that. Yeah. So in the beginning, the first big investment I did was take a course um, that was put on by another DIY influencer that was wildly successful. And sure, I can Google all day. How do you build an Instagram account? How do you, you know, get more followers? How do you grow? I can do that all day long, but to hear from somebody who's done it and who's been through it and just to make that connection to me was worth it. And I I do believe you have to spend money to make money. And um, so I, I took a little bit of money and, and, and it was a risk, you know, but again, if you're determined to do it, it's going to be worth it. I really do believe you do have to invest in your business. Just like if you're opening a retail shop, um, you got to buy all the product. You have to. So you're not going to start out on top. You got to then make money. But um, it, it's just kind of you got to look at it like that. Like you, ha- you have to you got to you got to build your shop before you can start selling stuff. So, Yeah. Now, part of your unique skill and ability is kind of like we talked about earlier with the clothing, uh, you can see something and have a vision for it. I, God's given me a lot of skills and abilities. That is not one of mine. What I see is what I see. And (laughs) that's about it. Now, there was a kind of a cool uh, chair that you had made amongst many others, but I like the story of it. You see a post on Facebook, hey, free chair, come swing by if you want it. And you go out, get it, completely redo it, paint it, change it. Talk about, you know, some of these projects that you've been able to do, maybe smaller ones like a chair, but then bigger ones too, like rooms and things that you've done. Yeah. So that kind of stuff actually started because I, I have, I like nice things and I like expensive 
I have expensive taste. I don't mean to, I do not mean to do that, but I do. Like if I had to choose a group of chairs, I guarantee you, and I didn't see the price, I would accidentally choose the most expensive one. It's just the way my mind works. I don't know. I have a gift, but, um, but so a lot of times it would be, oh, I want to decorate our house. I want to, I want this room to be like this. And we weren't at a place where I could just go and spend thousands of dollars and, you know, buy whatever I wanted. And so I knew I can make, I can make that. I can make it at least look like that. And I still have that chair and it's in my sunroom and I love that chair. Um, and it, so then, you know, then it's a piece of you too. So that's where that all started. Um, and I don't always see it right away. A lot of times halfway through, I'll be like, oh, wait a second. What if I did this? Yeah. Or Kenny will come in and make a suggestion and I'll say, that's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. And then in the end, I end up doing that. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so I, I generally have a vision, but I, I do get a ton of inspiration from other people. I mean, most of my stuff is from looking at other people's projects or pictures and then being like, okay, I want that, but I'm going to do my version of that and make it a little bit different. So, yeah. yes. Now with something as large as a bedroom, uh, mm -hmm. you, you have kind of a cool little loft thing that you built, uh, yeah. but talk about, you know, all of the skills that go into that. And I know you said, Hey, originally I wasn't super skilled at using a saw and different, right. you know, equipment, but you've learned it. So talk about what all goes into that. So the loft bed in particular, that's a huge, that was a huge woodworking project that I, that was by far the biggest project that I had ever done. Um, and so definitely planning because I'm so impulsive planning is not my strong suit, but it is important. It's very important. So drawing it out, figuring out, you know, exactly what you need, figuring out your shopping list of lumber, you know, um, YouTube is, is wildly resourceful. I, we call it YouTube Academy in the DIY community because it's, if you don't know how to do it, it's going to be on there. So um, definitely use your resources, ask people figuring out, okay, how, what kind of, what piece of wood am I going to need in order for this bed to not fall down? And so figuring all that out. And then of course, learning how to use the tools, um, which are very, very intimidating, but once you know, they're not difficult, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, having the confidence is really important safety wise, yeah. because otherwise you could get really hurt, but um, so yeah, and a lot of the stuff I, I learned along the way with that, I learned so much about building and you, you will, I'll look at some of my old projects and think, wow, you know, my finished work was not nearly as good as it is now. And, and mm -hmm. just like anything in life, you, you just learn as you go and you get better each time. And yeah, so um, being able to kind of plan it is very helpful. Um, with DIY projects, especially large ones like that. Yes. So, you, I mean, you started your blog, your Instagram, just like anyone else does, right? With zero followers and, mm -hmm. and then it grows over time. Talk about some of the ups and downs of the social media growing uh, for you, both between the blog and the social media accounts. So when I started, my goal was to get 1000 people on Instagram that didn't know me, that weren't my family or friends or anything. Um, and that took, it took a while that, that took that, that alone took like nine months. Um, but then it started going quicker and quicker. Um, and 
then it was, you know, hitting 10 K because back then it was 10 K is when you could have the swipe up links. So then you can start selling stuff and actually start making money. And so, um, that was, that was my goal downs all the time. The main, I think the, the, the hardest part of it is comparison because you will see others fly past you and be like, what am I doing wrong? Or you'll hear about, you know, or see how, I mean, and people talk about this all the time. You'll see how many likes they have and compare yourself. And it really is, is it's scary and it's dangerous, if, especially for like kids, you know, looking at that stuff, I could see how that's, that's a tough thing. But um, again, really checking myself and coming and coming back to my reason just kept me going. And I just really wanted to hit a goal on my own, doing something and just be successful at it. And so I just kept going until I hit that thousand. And then once I hit 10, I started making some money and then it just, and now of course, then once you hit those goals, then at the bottom, at the top of a one mountain is, you know, the bottom of another. So now it's like, it's interesting how desensitized you get to things, but, um, but yeah, uh, every single day I could very easily get down on myself because I'm not doing as well as somebody else. Um, and that's for anything in life really. And so it's just always checking yourself and coming back to that reason. Otherwise you just, you won't succeed if you continue to get down on yourself. Yeah. Well, all right. We have this goal mm-hmm. and you had broken it into really bite-sized pieces, right? I want to get a thousand first and then I'm going to get 10,000. You didn't just out of the gate say, all right, it's a million or bust, right? It's yeah. like, no, let's get to a thousand. Then let's get to 10,000. Talk about the power in breaking up a goal into smaller chunks that maybe helps you find and feel wins along the way to the bigger goal. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of, you know, being able to cheer yourself on. That's part of kind of the whole idea of take it day by day. You know, you got a a little win is, is going to be a huge part of a huge win. And every single one of those little wins I remember, and they meant the world to me. And I hope that they still will continue to in the future. And um, so uh, be realistic, you know, you, you got to be realistic in your goals. So start small. And do I, did I always have, oh yeah, that'd be great someday if I could, you know, do X, Y, Z. I still do. I did then. Um, but let's start with this, this year, I'm going to close this many deals this month. I want to do this many projects. And so setting yourself up for success is, is really important and not being so hard on yourself and, and knowing that the little goals, you put all those little goals together and that's, that's huge. So, um, not belittling those and not taking them for granted because they're all little pieces of the big puzzle. Nailed it. <laughs> now, the the other side that happens as you continue to grow um, your account is exactly what you mentioned. Well, maybe originally I wasn't comparing myself to these larger accounts because, well, gosh, they're where they're at. I, I understand that's probably unrealistic to be there in a month or two. But now you've grown to a good size. And you said there's this comparison game that happens. So how do you how do you handle that from an emotional and a logical standpoint for you, knowing I'm still aspiring to grow and do more? Yeah. So I'm I'm not in the grand scheme of of DIY influencers. I'm not. I'm not huge. I'm really not. Um, there's a lot of accounts that are way bigger than me and way more successful than me. And, and, 
but you got to look at, but hold on, look what I'm doing. And that's great. And not everybody has the same goals either. And so some people's goals might be just to get a number. Some people's goals might be to make a certain amount of money. Some people's goals might be just to figure out how to work a saw and that's totally fine. So just knowing that what I'm doing still is, is great. I will get there. You got to just focus on yourself. It can be so loud and you got to just kind of put blinders on and know like what I have accomplished is great. And, um, that that's really important. I also feel, feel very fortunate that the DIY community, um, in particular is very close, tight knit. Um, and we really, even though every single one of those girls are technically my com competition because we're all working against each other to get, <laughs> you know, the deals, we all build each other up all the time. We have a, you know, text message with a bunch of us on there and it's sharing contact information, you know, you know, have you guys worked with this brand? What, what do you have advice on how I could do this? And so I feel very lucky to be in that particular niche because, um, we're just not interested in tearing each other down. Um, I don't, I don't know what it's like in other, in other areas, but, um, so, so that is really helpful because anytime that I have a bad day, there's a group of people who understand what I'm going through and who do it on a daily basis that I can come to and be like, you guys, I feel, I don't even know. I don't even know if I, and, and they will listen, you've got this, you know, so find, find your people. Definitely. Um, that's really important because you can cheer yourself on all day. Um, and that that's the most important, but you got to find, you got to find your people too. talk about the power of support, but then also if there's been anyone in your life or through this journey that saw a vision of what you were capable of, maybe before you even saw what you mm. were capable of. That's, I was just thinking that. So <laughs> my husband, Kenny, by far, he, yeah. he believed this could be way bigger than I ever believed. Um, and again, a lot of that is I'm a little bit of a half glass empty kind of gal and he's yeah. definitely a, a half glass full kind of guy, but, um, he, he has said from day one that this is it, this is mm. what you can, you, you, this can be whatever you want it to be. And he knew, and I still to this day, I'll be like, I don't know, man, I just, <laughs> I don't know if this is right for me. And he still has these crazy wild dreams for me. And he truly, yeah. truly believes them. And um, that's pretty powerful too, because when you have somebody behind you that truly believes in you and not just because like, of course, my family, my parents, you know, right. my siblings, they all believe in me. And that's amazing. But they're my, they kind of have to, you know, like they, they, like, of course, you know, they kind of have to believe that yeah, you're going to be great. You know? Yeah. I believe in you. And I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't mean to downplay them because they're just, they're my biggest cheerleaders too. They're constantly, constantly building me up. Um, I actually was joking with my mom the other day and said, mom, I could paint a wall, like a, a disgusting design. And you would be like, you're amazing. You're the <laughs> You blow my mind every day, you know? So um, yeah, definitely having those people behind you that, that believe in you more than you even believe in yourself, uh, that keeps you accountable too. So, um, I don't want to, I don't want to give up because I know there's all these people that believe in me and I don't want to let anybody down, but also they're right. You know, they continue to prove me wrong when I, when I'm down on it. Yes.
Now, as your accounts are growing and the projects you're doing are getting bigger, you start getting deals with different uh, companies to you know help promote their brand. So mm-hmm. talk about that and how some of those first ones came around in the type of deals you do today. So when I first started working with brands, I was really, really excited to just get a, a product. And if somebody would send me a product, which I'm still, I'm still, that's wonderful. You know, I, I love that, but that doesn't pay my mortgage. And so, um, when, so, the, so it starts out kind of like that. Um, and there is something to be said for size and making money, um, on social media, but at the same time now, I think it's, it's really developing into this whole new world. I mean, I think in 2020, most companies took 60% of their marketing dollars out of things like magazines, um, you know, commercials and put it into social media marketing. 2021, I think it was like 80 or 90%. I mean, so this is like where, and it makes sense. It's where people's eyes are. Um, So that that makes sense but it's this new world that brands are trying to figure out we're trying to figure out there's no rules for it which is interesting sometimes um, because there's not like an industry standard of how much money you're going to make or like oh this kind of attorney might make this in this ballpark of money so it's definitely different for everybody but you start out with product and then um there's different like equations and algorithms for how much you should be getting paid per your audience and how many people you can reach and all these different things. So um, now I'm working with brands that it, it, it depends. Uh, they'll reach out to me or I'll reach out to them. Um, if I have a particular product that I'd love to work with, I will reach out to them. Um, and generally it's, um, yeah, we just, it's a lot of negotiating. Um, and I love that part, but at some point you, you have to, there's just not enough hours in the day. And so I now have a manager that helps me with that, which is really, really nice because that allows me, especially with DIY, not only do I have to create the content. So I have to, you know, video, then I have to edit everything on my own. Then I have to make it fun to watch. And then I had, you know, so all of that, but I'm also doing the project. And so it's just very, very time consuming. And so it's nice to kind of have somebody handling that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And the, the amount of money that's out there um, amongst brands for influencers is insane. And that's why we continually in this DIY community say like, we're not, we're not interested in being competitive because there's definitely enough to go around. Every single one of us can be successful, wildly successful. And so there's no need to tear others down. Um, do I want to be as successful as I can be? Absolutely. But I'm still like thrilled when I see somebody else have their win, you know? And so, because it's, it's insane how much, how much there is. And, and I really think that this is just getting started as the way that companies market Um, and it will evolve and there'll be other platforms and someday Instagram won't be a thing anymore. And so it it will definitely change, but I do think, you know, this is, this is where the consumer's eyes are. And so I think it's, it's, it'd be foolish not to advertise that way. Yes. So 
you get your guys's home to all these cool, you know, looks and feels, and then you decide like anyone else would, right? Well, why, why stay? <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's how we want it. We better go ahead and sell it and move. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about how this whole story came about. It sounds like there was a bunch of just kind of random events that ended up falling in place. So yes, give, it give was very, focus. very serendipitous. Um, we, yes, we lived about five minutes down the road in a newer house um, that was pretty much all done. Um, I had kind of gotten to the end of what, what, could, what else could we do, you know, and, and we, but we weren't looking to move. I knew I'd figure something out. I'd, you know, redo a project, do something else, go into other people's homes, figure something out. But I, as a hobby, like to peruse real estate just <laughs> because I just, I, again, like I like to see what other people's houses look like, you know, all that stuff. Well, I found this beautiful farmhouse. Well, I thought it was a beautiful farmhouse on eight acres of land. Well, it was on five acres of land. And, um, I fell in love and I was like, Oh my gosh, it was built in 1956. And it, hadn't probably been touched since 1956. I mean, it was beautiful. It was beautiful for um, that time, but it was, it definitely, definitely needed some updates, different flooring in every single room, pink walls, all kinds of things. And so I went and saw it immediately the next day without telling Kenny. And, <laughs> and I went and I walked through with the realtor and I got in my car and I, there's this app called Marco Polo. It's like a video. Yeah. Chat. yeah. So I was Marco Poloing with a couple of my DIY friends. And I was like, you guys, I have to tell Kenny I'm in love with another house. <laughs> and I, I mean, I get chills talking about it because I just knew, I just was like, this is where we are supposed to be. Like I, we have to figure this out. And so I went home and I told him about it and he was like a hard no. Um, because he looked up the listing and he was like, no, like, no, we're not doing that. And so I finally, finally convinced him just, just to go see it. And so he, he went to go see it and um, it was, you know, last year. And so we're all wearing masks and walking through. And he, as we're walking through, he sees my eyes, you know, getting bigger and, and I see him just like getting more pale as, as we go like ev around every turn, just because he doesn't see things, you know, he can't uh, really, he couldn't see past the work at that mm, time as yeah. like much as he can see that I'm, you know, have faith in me. It was, I think it was, I think it was just dollar signs to him. Like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? And so we get in the car and he, I was like, what do you think? And he said, Oh, we were driving home and he, he pulled the car over and he was like, I'm sorry, I think I'm going to throw up. And he literally had, he was physically ill. And I was like, oh my God, you hated it that bad. And he was like, no, he's like, well, yeah, but also I know that I'm going to just crush you right now. And because he was like, I'm sorry, I am a hard no. Like I, there's yeah. no way I'm sorry. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, he doesn't really tell me no. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like he generally will you know, if I have an idea, entertain it at least. And so I was crushed. And after many discussions and arguments, a few here and there, <laughs> um, I convinced, well, so then the market just like, like literally that week, the market went insane. And so I was like, hold on a second. We could get way more for our house than I thought that we could. Can we just crunch numbers, please? Can we just crunch numbers? 
So then I got into that step. And so then we crunched some numbers and we figured out, wait a minute, if we can get this, then we can do this. And actually this might be a little bit more feasible than we thought. And so um, we put in an offer contingent upon the selling of our house. Um, and I did not tell our realtor, who's a very close friend of ours or Kenny, but I wrote a letter to the seller and put it in her mailbox. And um, my realtor almost killed me. He's like, you don't do that without telling your realtor. <laughs> and so I wrote her a letter. And um, at that point, at that point, we still weren't sure. Um, I don't think we hadn't put in an offer yet when I wrote the letter because I, we had gone through it and I had said, you know, I found out that they had gotten a couple of offers from developers that they had turned down. And so I, I was like, they want a family there. They love this house. They want somebody to love it. And so I just, in my letter said, I want you to know that I just want you to know there are people out there that will love your house. I don't think that it's, it's our, I don't think it's going to work for us. I don't think we can swing it. Um, but walking through that house, I felt the love in those walls. I felt the memories that were made there. I, I, I think just even walking through your house kind of changed me. So I just want to want you to know, don't give up like, cause it had been on the market for quite a while. Um, there are people that will love, that will love that place. And I got an email the next day from her saying, um, you know, they were not living in the house at the time. And she said, that's, it's very odd because I had art, my son had gotten the mail that day, but I just, I just wanted to stop by the house. So I did. And I found your letter in the mailbox. And, and she was like, so I think whatever forced you to drop that letter also forced me to stop by the house. And she was like, I just really encourage you guys to make an offer. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so then we did. And uh, it's, we joke to this day with our realtor, uh, like it all started with a letter and all because of a letter you didn't want me to write. And so, um, so yeah, so then it all ended up working out. And then on top of that, they had a little carriage house next door that they didn't want to accept offers on until they had sold the main house. So then once we were under contract, they offered that to us, um, which we were like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Now we're buying two houses. Like, and, but then my mom recently moved down to Illinois to live near us. And so she was living very close and we were like, oh, wait, maybe mom could live in that house. And so now we have the full eight acres and um, because Otherwise somebody was going to knock that little house down and build a house next to us, I'm sure. And so um, it's just really just thing after thing after thing has just serendipitously happened. Our, our offer on our house fell through the night we moved out um, and they walked four days before closing. Well, we canceled the deal. It was a big mess, but um, we ended up getting a better deal, which gave us, you know, more opportunity to do more things with this house. And so it was just, we truly feel, and now I should, I should mention that Kenny strongly believes that this is where we were supposed to be. Um, and yes, he is, he is on board. He might even, you know, he, well, I don't think he loves it more than me, but we just, we are, we're, we love it so much. And yeah. we just feel that this is where we're supposed to be. It's a really cool little area because we're, we have all this land, but we're in, a neighborhood. We're not in the middle of nowhere. So our kids get to grow up like they're in the country, but then they can run to the neighbor's house. And um, so it's just really an interesting thing. We have a 7,800 square foot barn that we have no idea what we're going to do with. And um, 
people, you know, say, why'd you buy that barn? Why'd you buy that place? What are you going to do? What are your plans? And my answer is always, we didn't buy it to do something with it. We bought it for us. We bought it because, you know, this is what I want. This is where I want my kids to grow up. This is where I want to be able to build this for my family. And so that my grandkids are like, man, I'm so glad grandma and grandpa bought that place, you know? And so that that's why we did it. That's our reason. And, um, a lot of people think we're insane and that's okay, but, um, it's, it's really transformed. We were here almost a year and it's really cool to look at the old pictures and say, wow. And, um, the owner and I are still pretty close and we chat and she comes over and she brings my kids gifts and she, yeah, the first time she came over, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I was like, Oh my God, what if, she, cause she lived here for 34 years. I was just afraid she was gonna be like, what did you do? That beautiful bookcase that meant so much to me or something, you know? Yeah. And so, but she was just like, well, she was speechless. And I was like, Oh no. I was like, are you okay? And she's like, this is an unbelievable. She said, you've brought life to our house again. Mm. And so, um, it's just, it's just, we just really feel like this is where we're supposed to be. And this is part of our story. Um, so yeah, we feel lucky. Yes. Liz, are there any other pivotal moments that you want to make sure to highlight about your story as you reflect back on it and the, you know, amazing things that have led to where you're at today? Um, again, I think it's just all the little moments, um, just remembering all of those and not taking them for granted. Um, they're all such a piece and, um, I just, I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't know what's next, but I, I still have that passion and that fire. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not even close to stopping. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how this can evolve. It'll be fun to see how my house changes. And, um, yeah, so I would say just, just all of them, um, really just all add up and mean the world. So. Yes. Well, Liz, I want to say thanks for being on the show today and sharing your pivotal moments. And it's so amazing. And everyone listening, you know, uh, I guess my encouragement to you would be take some time to think about where you're at and where you want to be and figure out what's that passion project that you have and then be willing to immerse yourself in it and take the steps to get there. Because as Liz mentioned, uh, when, when you're passionate about it, you're, you're going to figure out a way to do it. And we only get to do this life once. So that's an opportunity. So thanks again for being on Liz. Thank you so much for having me.